What's up, Boom Bap Heads, and welcome to episode number three of The Basement Podcast. Before we get right into today's episode, I ask that you please share this with friends, family, anybody who would enjoy listening. I also ask that you please leave a review on iTunes, Apple Music, Google, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening on, and uh, please hit me up with some feedback. I'd be happy to answer any questions um, that I can, pretty much. So, message me. All right, let's get right into it. This is episode number three, and today we're going to be talking about how to make your mixes sound better or sound cleaner. Now, I'm assuming, if not everybody, but most people use DAWs, whether you use Logic, Pro Tools, Machine, Studio One, FL Studio, there's there's a lot out there. Research plugins. Plugins are a very important thing in cleaning your audio making your audio sound different so i would recommend first looking up youtube videos or other kind of videos and watch reviews on the plugins make sure you're listening with headphones or studio monitors so you get a accurate representation of the sound it's just very important you get to experience it and watch people use the plugins and from there you can judge if you if that's something that you want to spend your money on and if it's a right fit for your workflow. So definitely research plugins before you buy them. It's very important. Some plugins can get expensive. I usually buy plugins from Waves and you can get really great sales on there. So it's a great site. But other plugins are very expensive. Like I have some Universal Audio plugins that came with my Apollo Twin Duo. And I went on the website and looked up plugins and some are like 500 each. They have like packages where you choose three for like 600. I forgot how much it is, but some of them get crazy expensive. So just do your research before you make a big purchase like that, especially. Another thing that you have to take into account, which is probably the most, one of the most important things is a great recording makes for a great mix. That includes having a good microphone. And you don't have to get one of the mics that are two grand like $1,000, $2,000 to get a good sound. You can get a two, $300 condenser mic or dynamic mic that will get the job done if you're just starting out. Or if you're looking to upgrade, then, then those are the mics you should be looking into. But you need to have a great mic. And to get the best sound out of your mic, I recommend researching preamps. I just picked up a Golden Age Project Pre-73 Junior, which is basically an emulation of the Neve 1073 preamp and the reason it's junior is it's only one channel but that's what you're listening to right now I paid about 250 for that and I got that maybe four or five months ago and it sounds great I'm using my Norman TLM 102 right now with that preamp and it just brings out the best in your microphone it gives you that nice analog sound even analog distortion if, if that's the type of sound you're going for you can even bump up the gain and and listen to it it's it sounds great so i would recommend doing research on preamps if you have the money i would definitely recommend picking one up like i said this one is about 250 dollars and it sounds amazing you don't need anything crazy unless you're moving up to that professional level and you have an actual studio and people coming to you to record so that is definitely something else i recommend proper gain staging proper levels you don't want to come in too hot while you're recording 
and typically you do not want distortion while you're recording unless you want a tiny bit of analog distortion for drums or or whatever you're you're trying to go for but yeah my main point there is a great recording makes a great mix another thing to take into account is to use and take advantage of the stereo field that you're working within your mixes are going to be stereo even though all your recordings are going to be in mono you want to take advantage of that stereo field and have things fit in their own place so you can hear everything clearly now the primary way to do that obviously is to use your panning knobs there are also plugins for stereo imaging I know pretty much every DAW, if I'm not mistaken, has their own stereo imaging type of plugin where you can move things in the stereo field, especially if you have a sample that's already stereo, you can convert that into mono and you can pan that to one side or, or keep it in the middle and create something around that. But yeah, try, try out those stereo imaging plugins. Those are pretty cool and, and can make your mix, can bring life to your mix. So I wrote down here, um, what I usually do is I put my kick, my snare, my vocals, and my bass all in the middle, all dead center. And then the rest of the instrumentation that I have, whether it be a guitar, piano, I pan that out to the left and to the right. And sometimes I like to pan my bass out a little bit to the left just because I, that's, that's a sweet spot in my ear. It sounds good to me. And I, I've heard that on a lot of old records, old soul records, R&B records. And I've always wondered about that. So I started incorporating it into my mixes and, and I've always liked the sound and grew accustomed to that. So that's, that's my process. Also, I like to pan my hats either to the right or left, depending on what, depending on what viewpoint if you want to make your song sound like you're behind the drummer or in front of the drummer. If you're behind, then the hi-hats would be panned to the left. If you're in front, the hi-hats would be panned to the right. That's just a, a normal drum kit. Another thing to take into consideration and is used pretty much on every pop track, every hip-hop track, is vocal doubles and background vocals. Those should also be panned out to add more space, more width. It makes your vocals sound very wide and present. Also to add more space, you should be using reverb and delays. And the wrong amateur thing to do is to put your reverb and delays directly on your vocal channels or whatever instrument channels you're using. That is the wrong way to do it because you are taking all that information basically and doubling it so it all sounds muddy basically and on top of each other what you want to do is create a send to a bus place the reverb or delay onto the bus and send a small amount of your vocal to that bus and the reverb or delay has to be set at 100% wet you don't want any dry signal coming out of that reverb only wet and that little send knob is where you mix that Okay, let's talk about EQ and compression on drums. Do not forget that just because you have all these plugins and all these effects and processors on your DAW 
does not mean you need to use them all the time. If the sample sounds great already within your mix, you don't really have to change much. You have to be the judge of what each sound needs or does not need. With that being said, I'll describe my process of EQing a kick drum when it needs to be EQ'd. I like to sweep and take out some lower mids around the 200 to 250 range. And I like to boost maybe a little bit of the highs around 800 to 1000 kilohertz. I find that's like, that's where you get the pop. That's where you get the attack of the kick drum. And obviously the lower end you need to sweep and adjust. But that, that goes for a sample that's not that great sounding. If you get a great recording and your kick sounds fantastic, you don't need to change much on it. Just just change whatever you need, whatever is essential for that mix for it to stand out more and to sound great in the context of the mix. So that that's I'm going to state that now for everything I talk about in this in this section of EQing and compressing drums. Next up is our snare. I usually like to sweep and take out some lows and I either boost I either boost or lower the 1 kilohertz to 2 kilohertz range, which is the it's the smack of the snare. I like to call it the smack. And the around 300 to 600 hertz is where the punch of the snare is. That deep hit sound. One quick fact is there is a name for that. It's called the timbre. So when you're speaking about the quality of a sound, the sonic qualities, you are talking about the timbre of a sound, T-A-M-B-R-E. And that includes the terminology like smack or punch. Now the crack of the snare is around the four kilohertz to six kilohertz range, give or take. That's where that crack is. I just like to sweep around there. I like to see what needs to be taken out or what needs to be boosted. And another tip is before you grab your EQ and you boost something really high, try to work the opposite way and take out something else. Like if you're trying to boost the highs, try to lower the lows first. Try to attenuate or decrease the lows before you end up boosting the highs because that can come out later in the mix not sounding as great or being too much information. And the hi-hats, I usually like to take out the lows. I either boost or lower the highs depending on how the rest of the drum sound for me to fit it in. Also, if the sample is has a really high frequency range, then, then obviously you want to bring that down a little bit to fit the rest of your mix. Now, what I usually do to compress my drums, I don't normally put compressors on individual drum pieces unless it's absolutely necessary for that, that mix. If, if maybe the kick needs a little more punch or the snare needs more punch, then I will do that. But I add a compressor to a bus group to glue the drums together. So I create a bus group. I send the output of each of those individual drum hits 
to the bus group. And on that bus group, I put a compressor on. So that is your drum bus. That is where all the audio is coming out from. That's where all the audio from each of your drum sounds is being sent to, to create a whole, a whole group. Now I like to put EQ compression on there. Not too much EQ because you're not really, you are trying to change your sound, but you're not trying to drastically change it because that's the sound that you liked already and that's what you want to work with. If you have to change it later, then do some more modulation to, modifications, I should say, to the EQ. And you want to put your compressor on there. A tip is to use New York compression or parallel compression and create a send in which you put on a different compressor, which you basically push this signal harder and then you send little amounts of that drum bus to that new compressor so you get more of a compressed sound. Also, something to do is to create another send and create a gated reverb. Either you have a gated reverb plugin or you create a reverb and then put a gate, a noise gate on it. So you have a reverb, you have a really wide, loud sound like you're in a room, but then that quickly gets shut off to give your your drums more of a wide punchy sound and if you want an example of that listen to phil collins in the air tonight that drum solo that drum break that he does right before it drops that is an excellent example of that so those are just some things you can do with your drums instruments if we're talking about the piano Maybe you want to take off some really low information, like from 60 to 100 hertz, depending on what fits, fits your mix, especially if you have a bass guitar in there. Uh, you don't want those lower frequencies of the piano clashing with the bass guitar. The bass and the kick also are pretty much, they, they have clashing frequencies. They're both in the same frequency range. So you want to create a nice balance and EQ according. Another effective thing is sidechaining. You can put a compressor on the bass guitar and sidechain it to your kick. So every time your kick hits, it takes over that bass guitar. It, it moves ahead of it or in front of it, however you want to look at it. For a good mix, you want to shoot for a tight low end, clear, prominent midsection, and a shiny, smooth high end. You do not want a muddy low end, muffled unclear mids, and harsh piercing high ends. If you have a problem in one of those areas, you need to go back and you need to fix that. You need to see what frequencies are clashing together, what does not work with each other, and, and you need to EQ and, and fix that accordingly. Another trick, even though you're gonna be mixing a stereo file, you're gonna be mixing to create a stereo file. One trick is to basically mix everything in mono. Just get your basic levels in mono, then you can start panning, then you can see what needs to be brought up or attenuated. Another thing is to, like, I know I use Logic. So Logic has the gain plugin under utilities. And basically from there, you can change your mix to mono, or you can do this in stereo imaging plugins what have you, but you can change your mix to mono and if something doesn't sound good there, 
then you want to go back into your stereo mix and, and try to fix that and, and keep going back and forth, switching it to mono and stereo and seeing where the problem area is. Because a lot of people these days listen on their smartphones. They listen through their iPhones. They listen through their laptops. And, and those speakers are mono. So it's important that you want your mix to sound as great on all different kinds of speakers. What you want to be mixing on is professional monitors. And once again, you don't have to right away go spend your money on the most expensive gear if you have the money. I would start out with something on the cheaper side because those studio monitors sound okay. Like right now I have, I'm using, I'm still using the PreSonus 3.5 studio monitors and they're great. They're great for me. I, I want to upgrade now because I'm, I'm getting more into it, but these are great speakers starting off and I got it in a $300 bundle, which came with an audio interface and mic. Uh, Studio One 3 Artist DAW came with a lot of stuff and, and they're great monitors for now. So you want to be mixing on those. You do not primarily want to be mixing in, mixing in headphones, but every now and then you want to throw on your headphones, see how they sound, see how the stereo field is sounding. But you again, you don't want to primarily mix with headphones. You, you want to get yourself a nice pair of uh, studio monitors. It's very important. Um, because you're getting a flat sound. You're not getting a boosted sound like a lot of consumer gear has. You don't want to be mixing through regular computer speakers. So good flat professional monitors are very important. But you should also use consumer gear as a reference. You want to see how it sounds on different kinds of consumer gear like computer speakers or entertainment systems in your house, TV systems laptops, phones, you want to bring the mix in your car, you want to see how it sounds on different speakers. So you want to take that into consideration and use those as references. Also, I, I use the Apple earbuds just as a reference. I do not mix with them. I, I, I use them as a reference to see how my mix sounds in them because a lot of people use those too. I'm sure you have heard about acoustic treatment and the space that you are working within. You want to make sure your room does not have much echo or reverberation because that can greatly affect your mix and how you perceive it. And chances are, if you take your mix in the car or you listen on your phone, you're like, why does it sound like that? It sounded completely different in my room, in my studio, and now it sounds weird. You might have a frequency problem in your room and you want to treat your room accordingly, whether it's foam pads or foam panels or bass traps, you, you want to look into that and you want to see what frequencies are being trapped where in your room and work to fix that problem. Another thing that really affects me that I'm sure other people have a problem with is not taking breaks. And that, that is a big problem because that causes ear fatigue. Naturally, over a long period of time, you can misjudge things and not like not make your best judgment on the mix, basically. You want to give your ears a break about every 30 minutes. Every 30 minutes, just pause the song, go outside, go for a little walk, 
make some coffee, whatever whatever you want to do. Just just take a break. Give your ears some rest so you can go back into the mix with fresh ears. And that brings up the point of not listening at loud volumes. Obviously, everybody want everybody likes to listen to their music loud. They love to feel it. But while you're mixing, you do not want to listen at louder volumes because your ears naturally compress over a period of time. And when they compress, it's basically like putting a compressor and it decreases the dynamic range of your ears. The average human hearing is around 20 to 20,000 hertz. And when you listen to music loudly, for a long period of time, or even a short period of time, depending on some people, that dynamic range decreases and you're unable to hear certain frequencies. And everybody's ears are different, but you do not want to fatigue your ears. You want to be able to hear all the frequencies clearly. You want to have fresh ears. So a combination of taking breaks once in a while, every 30, 45 minutes, and listening to your mix at lower volumes is pretty critical. And, um, and can make the difference in making your mix sound great or sound crappy. After you're pretty satisfied with your mix, it's time to listen to it for a couple days and test it on different speakers once again. This is, I know you wanna get everything done in one day, which is what I wanna do, and I'm pretty sure everybody does. You, you wanna get everything done in one day, you wanna create your beat, you wanna mix the beat, you wanna write a song to it, record vocals. Usually it doesn't happen in one day. It takes a couple days. I say leave your creation, your production, whatever your first step into creating the beat is or song or whatever, the recording. Leave that separately from your mixing day. Because after all that, after bumping your speakers all day and listening to that, your first reaction is you want to mix that. And while you, you can do some mixing while you're in the creation process, you don't want to mix right after. You want to let it sit. You want to come back to it the next day or a couple days with fresh ears. And most of the time you will be surprised and be like, wow, what was I even doing there? Like, I need to change that. That doesn't sound good. Like, what was I thinking? So that's important. Just, just space it out. I know you want to get it done right away, but space it out. It's a lot better. And I, I constantly, I'm basically telling myself that. I constantly have to uh, tell myself that and follow that. But it, it really does make a difference. Write notes to yourself. Describe what changes you feel need to be made. So write notes. If you're listening, like I take the train to Manhattan for school and I listen to my mixes on my on my headphones, either on studio headphones or my Apple headphones, whatever. I, normally my studio headphones because I want an accurate representation. But see, see what doesn't sit right. See what doesn't sound right in the mix. Write to yourself what needs to be changed and go back to it and, and mess around with those settings. Get professional opinions if possible. If, you, if you're like me and you go to an audio engineering school or production school, get opinions from your teachers or professional peers even ask your friends if it sounds professional or like or if it sounds like other tracks from popular artists tell them to be completely honest with you you want to take all the criticism you can get positive or negative 
And don't don't take it to heart. Just take it as, okay, maybe I can look into this. I can change this around and, and see how that works for you. If you really feel a certain way that you want to keep something, keep an element or keep it the way you want it, then do that. But just take all criticism into account. Don't be offended. Just be honest with yourself and, and tell people to be honest with you. Be honest with yourself. Again, to ask yourself, does this sound really professional? Does my mix sound like Joey Badasses, Jake Holes, Kanye West, like whoever your favorite artist is? Ask yourself, does it sound professional? Does it sound okay? Does it need a lot of work? Does it completely suck? Those are things you need to be honest with yourself. And like I said, compare your mix to professional, commercially released mixes because those mixes are mixed from professional audio engineers, professional mixing engineers. Choose a song that resembles yours and listen to what the engineer did on that track. How did the engineer process these vocals? Did they use a lot of compression? How did they make the drum sound that way? What kind of reverb did they use? Where did they pan the hats? Where did they pan the cymbals, uh, the toms? Where did they place the piano, the keyboard, the bass? Just listen to a professional mix. See what they did to make that track sound great. And, and you can even copy that. I wouldn't recommend copying it fully. I, I recommend trying it out and learning and seeing where the sweet spots are, especially for your mix, because everybody's mix is different, but I would try to get inspiration from that. The last point of the podcast is to take your time. Nothing has to be rushed, and I know a lot of the time the best productions, the best creations come really quick with ease when you're having fun, Not when you put too much pressure on yourself to sit down and create something. This is all fun. So just relax. Spend the time on your project. Do not rush yourself for the sake of you just wanting to put it out. And that's what I do a lot of the time. And that's, well, that's, that's what I started out doing. And over time, I realized it needs to be a more slow, relaxed process. And when you take the time to actually sit down critically listen to your mix really work on it that is when the best comes out of your mix treat it with care all right that about sums it up for this episode i'm sure i i missed a lot of points and i could have got a lot further but those are a lot of the main topics that i wanted to share with you guys i hope this helped a lot of people thank you so much for listening I feel like I'm really getting to the hang of these podcasts now, even though this is my third episode. I feel like I'm getting more comfortable speaking. Once again, this is my first podcast, so I'm getting there. Just uh, kind of bear with me here, but thank you so much for listening once again. Please leave a review on iTunes, Apple Music, SoundCloud, Google, whatever you're listening on. And please send me a message, send me feedback, send me comments. I really... uh, I really love all the feedback and criticism. Also, follow my Instagram account at the basement with Lou, and my regular Instagram account at Lou Mealy Music. You can find all my content there, updates on new episodes and and other things. 
So please follow those accounts. Leave some likes, comments. Hope everybody has a great day. Thank you so much for listening. Keep your heads bobbing. Peace.